This is What The Flux. I'm Brett. And I'm Justin. And it's Monday the 7th of June. A consultancy firm named McKinsey Pacific Rim was given $660,000 to provide advice to the government on how exactly to handle the vaccine strategy. But since then, my friend, a government official has said uh, no specific advice was uh, actually given here. That is some serious taxpayer cash wasted. In 2021, the number of women running businesses on the Fortune 500 hit an all-time record of 41. Nice. Very exciting to see this number continue to grow, but still a long way to go. Justin, three really ambitious stories today. Let's do it. For our first, Bunnings plans to build a new network of professional tool stores and will buy companies that are going to help it gain more market share. Some very aggressive stuff here from the rainy champ. What is the story? (laughs) Some background. There are DIYers like you and me, and we like to go to Bunnings or Masters for like a hot minute. (laughs) But when it comes to professional tradies, they do their shopping elsewhere apparently. In fact, Bunnings has said the tools for professional tradies don't quite fit within the existing Bunnings format. But now, Bunnings has announced plans to open up to 75 trade tool stores in Australia and New Zealand over the next three to five years. And whispers are that they're tossing up between the names of benchmark tools or project tools <laughs> or Dantas tools or I like Onya tools. But it's fair to say, B-Man, the stores are going to be very tool heavy. And Bunnings has announced it's keen to buy other companies in the space and consolidate into one big tool store. So what's the key learning here? Industry consolidation is when companies look to buy other companies in their particular industry. They do this to gain a larger portion of overall market share. In this case, the professional tools market. And Juzzy Boy, consolidation, it's just a natural evolution of any industry. Throw in a cheeky global pandemic where (laughs) homeowners are investing in their kitchens, their bathrooms and studies, and you've got the perfect formula for the tool industry consolidation. For Bunnings, they get the chance to grow their revenue by bolting on new businesses. And for family-owned tool businesses, they've got the chance to cash out for a juicy, juicy pile of dollars. Mm -hmm. For our second story, the ABC has said nah to the government proposal that would require it to produce a certain amount of Australian shows. And instead, the ABC is asking for funding to create more local dramas and children's shows. The ABC takes on its owner? (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) We know that the government released that green paper last year about content quotas in Australia. We also know that old Netflix Australia was very much against these quotas. And now the ABC has done one better and has said the content quota is unnecessary. On top of that little slap B-man, the ABC wants (laughs) additional funding of $30 million a year over three years. And this would be all about producing an extra 36 hours of drama and children's content. Plus 30 hours of arts, music and other programming each year. And since the government owns ABC, it needs to make sure it manages the competitive neutrality when providing funding. So what's the key learning here? Competitive neutrality is the principle that government entities shouldn't get an unfair advantage as a result of their government ownership. You see, Brett, there's an inherent conflict between being a government-funded organisation like ABC, but also having to compete against private companies. You see, Australia Post actually faces a similar problem, Justin, Mm -hmm. yet they have significantly weaker competition in Australia. Whereas the ABC is battling against everyone, from free-to-air networks like Seven, to streaming platforms like Netflix, to rural TV and SBS. And all this at a time when these for-profit media companies are struggling to adapt to a changing media landscape and major losses in revenue. For our third and final story, the local arm of co-working giant WeWork has posted a $102.5 million loss for the 2020 financial year. Gee, that hurts. What's happening Mm. here? All right, we all know WeWork, who was founded 11 years ago and provides flexible shared workspaces for businesses and freelancers. Now, Justin, it's 
fair to say that COVID hasn't been particularly kind to WeWork or the co-working space industry for that matter. And that $102 million loss is worse than the previous financial year where it lost $40 million. But I guess if there's one morsel of positive news here for WeWork, (laughs) Justin, it's that revenue increased to over $105 million. Interestingly though, Brett, these are the first set of financial results that WeWork's local business has shared since the pandemic got going. So what's the key learning here? The COVID crisis, which severely impacted co-working spaces, may actually become the same thing that propels co-working spaces in the future. I'll give it to you straight, Brett. Co-working brands like WeWork, as well as the local ones like Hub Australia, they were completely whacked during the lengthy lockdowns Mm. last year. But these companies are optimistic that the future of work will actually suit the co-working format. And why is that? That is because the industry is hoping that more flexible workspace will become more popular in this scary post-pandemic world. Businesses keen to watch every single dollar they spend. And businesses reluctant to commit to long-term leases. And businesses more keen to provide free kombucha and beer on tap. Without having to pay for it. Flux family, how good is the feeling of knowing that you're up to date with all the latest Australian and international business news? To stay up to date, make sure to hit the follow button or subscribe. Thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow. 